Many sermons have been preached about Joseph um, in the Old Testament from Genesis 39, actually Genesis 37 through Genesis 50. So many sermons have been used to talk about his dreams. Uh, We love as preachers just to take that story because God gave him a dream when he was a young man and through his life, that dream took many different forms. And so we like to use this idea of a dream from God and talk about calling. And that's really what I want to talk about today, is your calling. I believe you have a calling. I believe I have a calling. I believe your friend has a calling. I believe everyone in your circle has a calling. And so I want to start out with this question. When when we're coming to God with the question of a calling, where do you get your idea of calling? Where do you get your idea of calling? And I want to look at a few scriptures, and one we'll start with is out of the life of Joseph in Genesis 39, and it's the first few verses of the chapter. Now Joseph had been taken, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. He had taken, he had taken them there because Joseph was not there by choice. I don't know how much you know about the life of Joseph. Maybe you grew up and you never miss a Sunday or maybe you're like, Joseph, who, like, Joe, who's Joe, what's Joe doing you know, Joe Mama was happening. I don't know. So I want to be able to relate to everybody when I, when I speak on this subject, because I don't know your biblical understanding of the Old Testament narrative of the story of Joseph. Joseph had been taken, sent from his father. His father, who had favor on Joseph, gave him a robe, um, an ornate robe, the NIV calls it. It, it was a robe that signified the birthright. Now, the family context of Joseph is more like a Dr. Phil show than uh, more like an episode from Dr. Phil than, than a chapter in a Bible because there was a lot of tension. Um, Joseph's brothers didn't like him because of the rope which signified the birthright that would be given from Jacob to Joseph. And so his father had favor on him and and his brothers didn't like it because without getting into too much detail, Joseph came from Rachel who was Jacob's true love. He had multiple wives, but Rachel was his favorite and it's a whole weird story that we're not gonna get a lot into because that's not what I want to preach to you about today. But Joseph was sent by Jacob, go find your brothers. They were out in the field, and he found them in Shechem. Now his brothers hated Joseph because of a dream that God had given Joseph, where sheaves of grain were bowing down to one sheave signifying Joseph's brothers, this is in Genesis 37, if you care to look, signifying Joseph's brother bowing down to Joseph. 
And so they sold him. They almost killed him. They almost killed him. <laughs> and they just decided, Reuben was like, let's not kill him. We can make a few dollars. What if we just throw him in this little hole till somebody comes by? We can sell him. We can get some, we can get some money for him. So that's what they did. And the Ishmaelites came by, and so they sold him to the Ishmaelite caravan. Now we're caught up. Now we're in Genesis 39, where Joseph had been taken, taken from his family, taken, not only taken, but sold by his family to the point where now Joseph has lost his family. Joseph has lost, lost everything that was familiar the Bible says something odd in, in Genesis 39, verse 4, that Joseph found favor, which is weird because he was taken away from his family. He lost what he was used to, yet the Bible says he had favor. And I wrote a message that I'm going to preach to you today, and I think this is just part one, because favor is not the absence of trouble. Favor is the ability to persevere through trouble. So when it says he was taken, he was taken, he was taken from his family and taken to Egypt. I want to talk to you today under this subject. He took me to it. He took me to it. Because the Lord, even though he was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, away from his family, the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor. Favor in the eyes and became, in, in his eyes and became his attendant Potiphar, put him in charge of his household, and he was entrusted to the care of everything he owned. So we see this dynamic, and this is why this story is so popular among preachers, where Joseph is kind of the underdog, beaten by his brothers, thrown into a pit, almost murdered, sold as a slave, and all of a sudden becomes a bright star in Egypt, you know? But the more I look at the story, the more I'm like, that's not, that's not really what the story's about. You may have heard it preached like, well, Joseph lost his family, but he went to Egypt, and he trusted God. In the midst of trouble, he trusted God. And because he trusted God, God took him from the pit that his brothers threw him in, and he put him up in the palace with Pharaoh and Potiphar, and he had power, and because he trusted God. One of the things that caught my attention, was there's no Bible verses in Genesis that allude to 
the attitude of Joseph throughout this whole story. We don't know if Joseph was mad at his brothers. We don't know if he was scared out of his mind because I was reading one commentary this week that said that Joseph was consistent. And so it was like, wow, Joseph really trusted God. But we don't know. We don't know what Joseph was feeling. We don't know what Joseph was going through. We don't know his attitude because I think we give Joseph too much credit because he was not there by choice. He was taken. And his calling, if we want to call it that, his purpose, if we'll put it that way, was not his choice. It wasn't even his choice. So now we return to the question I asked a few minutes ago, is where do you get your idea of calling? There is probably one of the most exciting, encouraging bits of scripture we find in Romans 8.28. You don't even really have to read it. You can just recite it. That all things work together for the good. But what we do in just saying that all things work together for the good, it's kind of like we shoot a blank out of a gun where it's like loud, it's a flash, it's like pow, it's a, but, but there's no impact because there's no substance. So I want to surround the context and bring that verse together for you today because the context of Romans 8.28 is not all things work out, don't worry about it. The context of Romans 8, 28 is calling. I'll prove it to you. Let's start in the verse before. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the context that precedes Romans 8, 28 in Romans 8, 27 is, is the will of God. So then when it says, and we know woo, that in all things, hallelujah, and we start having church because God works for the good, if you, if you skip out on the part where it says, in accordance with the will of God, that's an empty promise. That's an empty promise. In accordance with the will of God, that's where the power is in the will of God, and we know that in all things God works for those, God works for the good of those who love him and are ready for it and who have been called according to his purpose and have been called. So, the, so Paul, when he writes this, he's giving us a lens for life. Because when, you, when you're searching for your calling that so many of us are and we're searching for our purpose and God, maybe God's given you a, a vision or he's given you a dream like of where you'll be doing something or, or you'll be making a certain impact, understand the lens of life. What lens do you use to view calling through? Because before Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good, we have to read 
Romans 8, 27, which is the lens that says, in accordance with the will of God. So if you want, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good, understand the context of Romans 8, 27, in accordance with the will of God. Because if you don't have that, then you won't know what to do with pain. Because to get to the point that all preachers love to get to in the story of Joseph, where he is promoted, you have to go through a lot of pain. And I think if we could interview, you know, if we could just cancel the sermon and get a guest to come, and Joseph was standing here by me, and we could just ask him, you know, I think he would say, it, it wasn't worth what I had to go through. To get to the place of purpose, it wasn't worth it. Understand that to get to, and I'm not doing this story justice, and we will pick this up next week, most likely, Lord willing, to get to the point where Joseph is in Romans, I mean in Genesis 39, where it says that he has favor, favor. To get to the point of favor, he had to leave his family. He had to leave what was familiar. He had to leave what he knew. He had to leave. And it was not by choice. He was taken. He was removed. It was not something that... So I almost feel like when we're searching for our calling, it's like we have to have a reason for our revelation. So all things work together for the good. That's the revelation. But the reason follows the revelation for those who love him and who have been called, called, called. So the context is calling. Your calling has a context. Um, you know, people will say, man, I can just tell you're, you're called to preach, which is true, right? I am called to preach. I was texting with one of my friends who I was going to preach for the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I was just so excited, man. And he texted me back. He's like, man, don't get too excited, you know. It's not going to be like this huge crowd because there's just a little youth group. And he was like, you know, don't get too excited. And I was like texting him, God's going to do amazing things. I've got a word. I'm going to, you know, we're going to, some people are going to, you know, see. And it's going to be amazing. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm just texting him, texting him. And he texts me back and he's like, dude, don't get too excited. <laughs> but I was, I was so excited because it's what I'm called to do. 
But it's not all I'm called to do. It's not all I'm called to do. I was on the phone with one of my good friends this past week, and he's a preacher, and I'm a preacher. So we were talking, and I was telling him, and this is what I told him. I said, we're, we're not preachers. We preach. He's like, what? What are you trying to tell me? And I was trying to get him what God's been showing me is that there, a lot of us take an idea of a calling and we elevate it to like, this is what we're called to. And this is what we're, and everything in our life surrounds it. And all of a sudden, we, we find ourselves following our calling. You were never designed to follow your calling. You were always called to follow God. And your f- calling will follow you. So in the story of Joseph... We never see Joseph, you know, get up and say, oh, well, I'm in this prison and I faced, I mean, because Joseph, man, he lost his family. He was taken into a strange land. And then, and then he went through um, like false rape charges, all this crazy stuff. He was imprisoned and it was just all this stuff is like one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. But the Bible says, in Genesis 39, that the Lord was with Joseph. So his power didn't come from his purpose, but it came through who he was in the presence of. The Lord was with Joseph. God never sent Joseph to do anything. God always took Joseph. God is, there's a difference in me sending you. You know, if I, hey, I need you to go do this for me, and I send you to go do it, and you come back, you know, go to the grocery store and get some milk for me, okay? Silly example. You go to the grocery store, you come back. What'd you do? I sent you, you did it. That's different if I'm like, let's go, I'm gonna take you. God doesn't send you, he takes you. So when the Ishmaelites are driving him in the chariot to Egypt, even though the Ishmaelites are taking him, God is using them as the vehicle, taking him to what we would say your purpose. But that wasn't his only purpose, you know. And he got to help the land of Egypt in a famine, and eventually saved his own family's lives. And to get to that, and to get to that purpose, he had to go through so much pain. When I was thinking about this concept of a calling, this this idea of our calling, I really came to this place where I realized you don't just have one, you know? You don't just have one calling. It's not like this is what I'm called to do and this is what I do. Because if all I do is preach but I'm a terrible person, then I have not fulfilled the, the calling on my life. I just haven't. I can, I can extravagantly communicate to you this word of God and make it just taste like 
strawberry cheesecake in your life and you just love it. But if I can't treat people right, if I can't serve the people in the way God has called me to serve them in my life, if I can't do outside of this what God has called me to do, this isn't my only calling. It's one I love. It's one I'm excited about. It's one I think about. It's, it's, it's a big part of it, but it's not the only one. That's why when I texted you, I loved your answer. Your answer was my favorite because I texted Abigail, my girlfriend. If you haven't met her yet, go to, what was that one? It, 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 she was in one of the messages before. Well, anyways, so I texted her and I said, you know, because I was thinking about calling, calling, calling. So I said, what, what do you think your calling is? And she texted me back, and what she texted me back was perfect. She said, I think I'm called to serve. Why I loved that answer is because it wasn't limiting. It wasn't like, I'm called to do. She didn't give me a position. She wasn't like, I'm called to do this. I'm called to, you know, whatever. You know, I'm called to be an accountant. I'm called to, you know, be a teacher. I'm called to be a preacher. You see, because what we want to do is we want to take something and we want to label it. But by doing that, we limit ourselves. So that's why when I was on the phone with my friend, I said, we're not just preachers. Because if, if we just limit ourselves to that title, like I'm a preacher, then anything outside of that title that God tries to do in our lives, we won't know how to accept it. So if God wants to bring something into our life and we need to, in one season, you know, because if you want to have a ministry, you have to learn how to be a financial, a CFO, a chief financial officer. Sometimes you have to be a building manager. Sometimes you have to be a, 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 you know, you have to be a light technician. Sometimes you have to be a social media marketing expert. Sometimes, and it's all this different stuff. And then on top of that, you also have like, well, I'm also called to be a friend and I'm also a son and, and uh, one day I'm going to be a pastor, but also one day I'm going to be a parent and all these callings. So if you say, well, I'm just a preacher and you, you limit yourself and you lock yourself into just this is who I am and this is what I do, then anything God tries to do. So if you label your, your purpose into a position, then once that position goes out, then you don't know what to do with yourself. Which is why I love the story of Jonah. <laughs> You're like, what does Jonah have to do with any of this? Never once did Jonah have a good attitude. Yet, yet God used Jonah. And you know the story where God said, go to Nineveh. But then he sailed to Tarshish. And then he was thrown overboard, swallowed up in the whale, and the Lord took him. So even in your disobedience, God can still provide. Even, even in your confusion, even in your direct disobedience to what God, he still took Jonah. He still took him. He still provided for him. He still put him in his right place. He still did 
what God called and created him to do. So that's why I liked your answer. Because it wasn't like, I have to do this. But it was so broad. I'm called to serve. I'm called to serve. Even Jesus, you know, because, you know, he would preach, but he was a carpenter too. And what you see out of the life of Joseph is whether he's in a prison or whether he's in Potiphar's house, he's the same all the way through. And a lot of the places God sent Joseph that he necessarily would not have chosen to go, those points of disappointment were also points of development. And so I think if we could ask Joe, come on, man. Welcome to Grace Movement. Put your hands together. Our guest speaker interview today with Joseph. What do you say, Joseph? He would say, I didn't even know I was fulfilling my purpose. All I knew, I didn't really know anything. You know, some days, some days I was in a prison. Some days I was in Pharaoh's charge leading it. And I think if we could also have Jonah out, you know, guest, special guest, and he came out, and we would say, so what was it like? Because Jonah's ministry, he, he didn't even like the people he was going to minister to. And he went and preached for them, and God was hoping that they would turn back to, to him. And when, when, when the people did that, Jonah was upset about it. <laughs> Jonah didn't even like the people he was ministering to. See how God's purpose over your life is bigger than your decisions? Even when Jonah was rejecting it, God was taking him to it. And even when Joseph had no clue what was going on, God was bringing him to it. And so, what is the lens you view you're calling through. Is God big enough for his purpose for your life to be something that you can't label? Because God is unpredictably consistent. <laughs> like, what, is that? what does that mean? Like, what are you even saying? God is unpredictably consistent consistent. All things work together for the good. Consistency. All things will work out. All things will come together. All things will work out for the good. Consistency. In accordance with his will. That is consistency. Yet it is unpredictability in the way that God will do that. So I want to say to you, God never changes. He was the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. He is the alpha and omega, beginning and the end. 
And he never changes. His character never changes. If he called you, he called you. If he loves you, he loves you. If he chose you, he chose you. He never changes. Whether you're depressed, he called you, he never changes. Whether you're suicidal, he called you, he never changes. Whether you're confused, he called you, he never changes. He has grace for you, purpose for you, love for you, and it never changes. Yet the way that that happens is unpredictable. Joseph went to Egypt and he thought he was going as a slave. But he was going as a remnant because while he was there, the Bible said, he found favor. And while he was there, he, he had a dream. He was in prison and he predicted other people's dreams and then finally he got to this place where he was to predict Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh put him in charge of, of the grain in Egypt because there was gonna be seven years of favor, and then there was going to be seven years of famine. And so during the years of favor, they would have to store up food for the seven years of famine. And so God sent him in. No, God took him in to be a remnant for the people of Israel. Because if you only view Joseph's life, it will be confusing. But if you look at it through the lens, the lens that God sent Joseph to Egypt because he had called the people of Israel to be a nation. But to do that, they would have to survive the famine that was to come. So God sent Joseph, God took Joseph, and he was to be a remnant. He was to be the thing that remained constant through the famine, that his family would then come and return to Joseph, and it's this big just Dr. Phil episode where he's like, I'm your brother, and they're like, well, we thought you were dead, and we thought, you know, this and that, and it was crazy. Everybody cried, everybody hugged, and their relationship was restored. Through that, the people of Israel came to Egypt and they moved in to Egypt, into Goshen. <laughs> You're like, what's Goshen? It's the best land. It's the best land. So God brought them in during a famine and they ate off the fat of the land during the famine because God had sent Joseph in as a remnant to sustain his purpose for his people. And so, looking at the beginning and to the end of Joseph's life, you see this idea of a calling, a dream, a purpose given, and then the fulfillment of it, and the contrast between the two are stunning. Because through all of it, to get to the purpose, he had to walk through pain. 
To get to the promise, he had to go through persecution. And even in Luke twenty-two forty-two, when Jesus is going up to the cross, he says, Lord, not my will, but your will. Not my purpose, but your purpose. Because he was going through pain, because he didn't know how this was going to turn out, and he was questioning everything, and even Jesus got to this point of pain. But he said one thing, yet not my will, but your will, yet in accordance with the will of God, all things work together for the good. And if Jesus wasn't willing to endure the greatest point of pain, he would have never got to the greatest point of purpose, which is what we call the propitiation, the down payment for you and my sin, so now we can come to God and he can say, my son, my daughter, my beloved, whom I have called, whom I have chosen. The Bible says that Joseph found favor, but I don't know if he would have felt like that. One of my friends texted me a few months ago and said, I see you're doing good. (laughs) And I wanted to, I was like, well, you in my house, you in my yard looking through the window, I see you're doing good. I was like, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a while. I was like, how am I, how can you see I'm doing good? And he was talking about, he's like, well, I saw on your social media, the blah, 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 blah. So, I'm, so I was like, so you assumed because you saw a post about me that you know I'm good. And that's what we've done to Joseph. We've, we've looked at his story and we're like, we just assumed he was good. We just assumed he had it all together. But the whole time, you got to imagine, the first time he sees his brothers in Egypt, the last time he had seen them, they sold him as a slave. They almost killed him, yet they sold him. And we're going to pick this back up next week. But the idea I want you to walk away with today is that purpose isn't always pretty. Some days you walk through life and your socks don't match. And there's a stain on your shirt. And it doesn't make sense. And you don't know how it's going to work out. And sometimes it's painful. And sometimes you lose the thing you knew all along. For Joseph, that was his family. Maybe for you, that's a relationship, a job, a school, a source of provision, a hope and a dream that you had, but the dream didn't come through the way you wanted it to. Yet the Lord had a remnant for the people of Israel, and he has a remnant in your life. Maybe that means he's got someone there that maybe you don't have a lot going on right now, but you've you've got someone you can depend on. Maybe you don't have a lot working out, but you have something you can cling to. And through all the pain, through all the loss that Joseph felt, God was taking him. 
He took me. He took me. When Jonah went the opposite way, God took him. When I was lost, God took me. When I didn't know how I was going to work out, he took it. When my sin was too much to bear, he took it. He took you. He took you to it. If you don't know what your calling is, that's okay. I bet you have a remnant. I bet you have something right now that you can start to work on, that you can start to craft, that you can start to hone. And I bet God's got something in your life. It may not be pretty. Purpose never is. But he's got something. He's got something that you can cling to. Hey, well, the one thing I hope you walk away with is the fact that you're called. But it just may not look like um, exactly what you thought it would. I pray God um, blessed you in whatever way through this word and you can begin that next step with him, whatever that looks like for you. I love you so much and I'm praying for you. A few things we always ask. If you can, share the message. You can put it on your social media. Um, you can put it, text it to a friend. It helps us get the word out. Um, other ways you can kind of be a part and partner. Or you can partner with us financially. And that'll be at gracemovement.online. You can subscribe and you can like the content as well. Hey, make sure you check out both our channels and check out more content. All right. Have a great week. Bye.